this the dagger? Illegal substitution, too many men on the field, Saskatchewan. Gizmo has a block and the sideline. He has not stepped out, he may go all the way. He needs one block and he'll do it easily. Promise mess I wouldn't do this. McDavid stops up, what a move, shoots, scores! everybody, welcome to The Outsiders, powered by the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City. I'm Bryn Griffiths, he's Robin Brownlee, and joining us is the host of Oilers Now on 630 Ched, and also does a wonderful job of the color commentary on that said radio station, Bob Stoffer. Bob, how you doing? Robin, good, how are you guys? Fine, thank you, we're into the summer, but I, I have a feeling it's going to be a very positive, upbeat summer around here, because of everything that's gone on in particular over the last... Well, let's be honest. It was an interesting year for Kenny Holland. He had to do something he hadn't done ever, and that is fire a coach in the middle of the season, a guy that we all liked, but the move had to be made. He did it, and from that point forward, a lot of people went, oh, wow, is this the summer? Is this going to be the year of Kenny Holland? And Bob, would I, I think it's been that. Robin tends to feel the same way. How do you view the job that he has done since the middle of January to this point? Well, you know, part of it was the coaching change, Brent. I think that's fair. Uh, you know, Jay Woodcroft came in and had a 724 points percentage. The team played differently. He focused on a couple individual things. Um, they, you know, obviously tightened a little bit up defensively. It coincided with Mike Smith getting healthy. So they got more stops. And so their goals against dropped precipitously. Um Ironically enough, their power play was probably not as good as it was before he came in. They went through a bit of a cold patch there, but their five-on-five scoring dramatically improved. So, uh, you know, and then it, then we got an out-of-the-world performance from a couple of guys, specifically in the Calgary series. Like what Leon and Connor did in that series was just ridiculous. Um, you now that said, you know, Hyman had a good score in every game of the series. Uh, Kane had a hat-trick in one of the games. Nugent Hopkins scored a big goal in game four. So, you know, they they had a good run. Uh, there, there, there was lots of excitement. And finally, finally, they're at a different place. Like, Brent, think back to when, and Robin, you were at the Sun at the time, but uh, I remember Alan Watt calling me and wanting me to go see uh, this DVD that they'd made about the city of Edmonton. Yeah. And all I could think of is, you know, the key to recruiting is when you have a winning culture and environment, it helps recruiting players. And and in Edmonton's case, it's really buoyed by the fact that they got two of the world's best players. So they're at a completely different spot now than they were even three or four years ago. Hey, just can I follow that up for a second? Because Robin and I were talking before we went on here this morning, and that Connor McDavid overtime winner to clinch the series against the Calgary Flames for me, I think is the biggest Oiler goal since maybe the Pisani goal in 2006. But what it does is that it just drives. You don't have to do a video up of the city of Edmonton now. The fact they get to the final four on a dramatic goal like that in a dramatic series like that, that should really help sell the city. Plus, you've got some players also quietly, I'm guessing, going out and banging the drum. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a sense of sustainability too, right? That's the difference. Like, yeah. 
we got back. I remember, um, you know, Brent, you went to game one and two in, in 06 against Carolina, and I went to games five and seven. And we got back, and within a day of returning, um, Chris Pronger. Al, Str- Al Strachan had written, yeah. Chris Pronger had requested the trade. I had ignored those emails that started creeping in in late March that were coming into the then, you know, 1260 studios. I'd get one every three weeks saying, Chris, I'm telling you right now, Chris Bronner. And it really started a bit of an exodus there. And it just simply was what happened in 06 was not sustainable carrying forward. Whereas what's happening right now is sustainable. They've got McDavid dry settled, Nugent Hopkins, Hyman, you know, uh, nurse and now Evander Kane signed uh, long-term. They've got another wave of players coming, Bouchard and McLeod and Yamamoto. We'll get to play RV a little later. Uh, and then they've got all their first round picks from the last few years, right? Broberg, Holloway, Borgo, and, uh, and now Schaefer. So when you look at it, if you're looking at it from a free agency perspective or an agency perspective, they can sit there and say, well, they're going to, they're going to be in the mix. Oh, and by the way, and now they signed the goalie. Yeah. So I, I, I'm saying to you in my, in my, I'm always the eternal optimist, but I'm also a realist. And I don't recall another time that the organization has been like this for a long, long time. Well, the nice thing, Bob, about getting as far as the Oilers did this year, I mean, one step short of going all the way to the, cup final like they did in 06 um it makes for a short summer and i tell you what there's been i'm not on the beat anymore but for guys like you there's been too many long summers where you got to stretch out the holidays and you got to stretch out the news because you're one and done or you're none and done and you're mid-april you're going okay what now uh this momentum that gets built by this club playing this deep it's not like 06. We knew within a day, like you say, okay, Pronger's not coming back. Uh, Mike Pekka quietly had made it known that he was not going to be an Edmonton guy the following season. Sergei Samsonov, it was pretty clear when that team skated off the ice in that dressing room was dead quiet after the loss to Carolina. This was going to be a one-and-done thing. It's not a one-and-done thing with this club, is it? I think they have a chance over the next six to eight years to, you know, be in the playoffs every year and be, be a top eight team for the next six to eight years. And, and it's largely Connor and Leon. Like that's not a mistake that, and they've got those guys locked up for multiple years beyond this and they've got to continue. But the other part of it, it's funny, right? I'm not an ageist. I have a lot of time, as you guys both know, for finding various mechanisms to win. Analytics is a tool. Video is a tool. There's different ways to pro scout now, I think, than in the past. Um, You know, amateur scouting. But when I say I'm not an ageist, I think of when Ken Holland was hired. And there were people writing that, you know, why would they hire a guy that old? He's lost his fastball in Detroit. They don't know what the owner was telling him in Detroit, right? They, They have no idea what his marching orders were, right? And... All I can tell you is the guy's been here three years. He tell you there's been mistakes made along the way, but they're sitting at a 620 winning percentage or points percentage with him as GM. And now they're tracking to where, and, and they've done this 
all the while retaining first round picks every year, which for me is important uh, because I think you really ultimately build your organization through first round draft choices and then developing those players. So I think they're in a good spot. I really do. And now, you know, maybe, and, and they finally got their goaltender, Jack Campbell. And that said, guys, I mean, 923, 915 last two years with Mike Smith, it, you know, he played pretty well when healthy. So I think they're in a good place. There's still some work to uh, be done and they got to continue to grow with the organization. It's funny. And again, before we started taping, Brennan and I were talking and I, I was thinking, how many people did I hear say, ah, oh, the game's passed him by Kenny's, uh, Kenny's the dinosaur. Kenny can't work, can't be successful in today's cap world. He, they got to outspend their mistakes in Detroit way back when. And that was somewhat true for a yes, lot of Yes, it was. Yes, it uh, was. But I tell you what, you, you use the term fastball. That's exactly bang on. I mean, Ken Holland, if he's got the wherewithal to do something, it's not like he forgot how to be a GM. And when I look at the what he's done even since the season ended, I shake my head at, tell me how they got Evander Kane back. Tell me how they found, not found, people knew Jack Campbell was. Um, what he's done since then, he's not sitting back. He's looking down the road already. He's not happy with what's happened so far. Well, you know, Robin, given uh, Dan Milstein the opportunity to put his toes out in the water, dip his toes out in the water and see what's out there for Vander Kane yep. turned out to be a brilliant move because there was no false illusions when Milstein started calling around that there was this seven year, $7 million a year contract avail available. And I think in fairness to Vander, he probably could have dug in and maybe gotten five times five somewhere. Okay. Right. Maybe he could have gotten that in free agency, but I also know enough about Evander and he's, he is an incredibly charismatic guy when you meet him. He's really well-spoken, and he is smart. Um, and, I, you know, when they were playing game four against Colorado, he was suspended, and he came uh, up to our broadcast location and talked to me at the start of the second and third period. And I point-blank asked him, you know, what's the key to re-signing? And he said three things. He said, uh, uh, winning money and lifestyle and he goes and you have a chance to win here and that trumps the other th the other two right so that that i think for a lot of the fans the negotiation with kane was the one that i think had people a little bit i think people really liked what they saw of it let's face it the guy was on pace for a 45 goal season like he was pretty good here yes. and he has a dimension he changes the makeup of their top six and also because he can play at that level you, you know, you, you talk about functional toughness. Well, he brings functional toughness at an elite level. So pretty important guy to get back. Um, the negotiation with uh, Kulak was really important, and they invested a lot of time with it. And in, especially given Duncan Keith's retirement, it's become incredibly important. And then in Campbell, they just believed that Campbell was the guy. Yeah. And so the, the way they went. And not hard to get uh, Campbell sold on Edmonton when he and Zach Hyman are tight. By, by all indications that we're hearing. However, once again, when you get to the Final Four, it makes this uh, far more uh, far more palatable uh, destination as far as I'm concerned. Okay, let's, uh, let's quickly talk about uh, 
the the fact that so they get the cane thing done at great money. I've always wanted to ask you this. I don't think we've ever talked about it. It's a delicate dance between term and the number. Uh, I'm a term guy. I, I term is the first thing I always look at over over the AAV. What about you? What's more important to you? And I know that they're both important, but which is the one that you tend to get drawn to first when look you're looking at the deal? I look at the cap hit. Okay. I look at the cap hit, and it's because you've got to, you know, you you've got to. Some teams have self-imposed team caps, right? Right. Yep. Uh, some teams are just trying to get to the floor, but realistically, you know, <laughs> there's a ceiling on how much you can spend. So for me, I am looking at the dollars. I look, you know what? There you go. There you go. What are you holding that's up? Tell everybody driver. what you're holding up and showing us. That is a, uh, that's our, that, that's our roster line combos. Uh, With cap points. numbers. Yeah. Yep. For the entire team. So, and then I've got the American League team right here as well. So I do, I basically, like we, we the order signed Yanmark yesterday. Yes. So I, I do a new index card every time there's a move. And, uh, you know, it's so for I definitely bring for me, I definitely look at the, the cap hit for the player when I saw I'm not really that worried about the term, to be honest with you, because in, if you've signed the guy to the right contract, usually you can find a way to move him to along. Move him along. Okay. And that's yeah. And that's what people like fans have to come. Like I, I just mentioned, you can basically build your team around first round draft choices, but fans also have to realize that in a cap system and when you have two of the best players in the world, uh, and they're going to take up a quarter of your cap space. There's going to be players that come and go. Yep. Do you, uh, do you worry about, and this is the thing that I always am fascinated by the way fans look at things. The season ended. I can't remember what night it was. And then two days later, everybody's immediately worried about the next four years. I'm going, can't you just ride it out and have some fun here? Can't you just enjoy it? Why are you worried about, Connor's contract expiring or Leon's contract expiring. Just take it day by day and just enjoy it. The best part for me about the playoffs is it's not a Wednesday or a, a Friday or a Saturday or a Tuesday. It's either it's a game day or it's an off day. Just enjoy it. I, I It just seems like there's just way too much wanting to overanalyze instead of just enjoying the game the way it is. I would say part of the reason why you guys have this podcast is because of the passion that's out there for the game in this market. Part of the reason why we have a show called Oilers Now is because that exists. Um, and frankly, I understand a little bit of the nervousness with the fans because they're in a market that watched the greatest player in the history game uh, game get sold. Right, Gretzky gets sold. Thank you for and that. Using was that after word. Paul. That was after Paul Coffey got moved before him. Yep, and and then Mark Messier got sold. But uh, I, I, Robin, I don't know if you remember the interview, but uh, I know Bryn, you do. When Wayne Gretzky uh, was coaching Phoenix, he joined us the night before a game on uh, Total Sports, and it was about five thirty. And point blank, I asked him. You know, it was while Daryl Case was pursuing the team. I said, "Fans here are nervous about Peter Pocklington," and he cut me off right away. And he said, "All right, I know where you're going." You have nothing to worry about here. Yeah, this guy is going to sign his players long term if he gets the team, and I think that was a message that a lot of people heard. And you know what? For all the criticism that was directed the ways of the Everlay Hall and Nugent Hopkins contracts, those were the first three where the organization 
had bit the bullet to rebuild and they signed those guys to long-term deals. And some people around the league criticized the deals, but for Edmonton, that was important. And for, and circling back to Shirelli, same situation for all the criticism directed his way. They got Connor and Leon on eight year deals and Austin yes. Matthews is sitting there. Austin Matthews is on a five-year deal in Toronto. And the only good news for fans in Toronto is Arizona is, uh, I don't even know how you describe that right now. Like they got, they got like four second round draft choices in the 2025 draft. Those guys aren't even playing on 2030. Right. Like the, the concern of losing Matthews to Arizona isn't there, but he's on a five-year term. So, you know, I, I, I get a little bit of the nervousness around it, but the reality is that over the last 15 years, the organization has signed their players to the good players to max length terms. And, and that, I mean, all of us remember whether it was uh, back going back to Glenn Sather and free agency would come and it was like hand plums in the air. Like there, we can't do anything. We're not in the market. We can't afford to do anything. It was wonderful that the Edmonton investors group and going back, kept the team in Edmonton, but the difference that you can see now with the real money behind the team, uh, having, I think the two best value contracts in the league in McDavid and Dreisaitl and being able to go out and do some of the things you've done. This fan base has been like, it was a, it was a parade out of town for two decades. Anybody that was any good was gone and you were trading down. You were trading one guy for three guys because the three guys only added up to the contract of the one guy. You don't win that way. This team has a chance to win now. And I think fans are fully involved in it. Um, they're looking ahead, not going, Oh geez, what's going to happen next. Do you see it the same way? Well, I think the, the, the entire hockey marketplace has changed, you know, Robin, like think back to, you know, when the Oilers traded Bill Guerin and Doug Waite, and I, yeah. I think I have that right in sequence. Okay. Yep. Um, they couldn't sign those guys. So those $9 million deals in the next contracts. Right. Well, at that time, the Edmonton Oilers were getting $3 million a year, the Canadian assistance program cap. And they actually had some of the Hawks amongst NHL owners, you know, I've had this conversation with Cal Nichols. Like it was communicated to them. You'll never outbid us in any high profile free agents because we're, we're helping you guys in Canada. Yep. And since the 0405 lockout, the Oilers with the exception, I think of the last year at Rexall place, which was 15, 16, which coincided um, with a significant dip in the Canadian dollar. That was the year it got down to 63 cents American. I mean, for many of the years, Edmonton's been a revenue, like one of the top, I think it's the top nine teams contributed to your revenue sharing and the others on multiple occasions have been one of those organizations. So the landscape has changed as well. Like, you know, the, the, the Edmonton's got, I know the building's five years old. It's still a new building. Yeah. Right. So the orders that are a different place. I mean, just, just think of, like, think of what happened in Calgary and it sucked that they lost Johnny Bitterell, right? Like, that's a that's a great pick by them, a fourth-round pick. The guy was second in scoring last year. But, you know, they lose one of their top guns. They're in a – I don't even know the status of where their building's at right now. Well, Edmonton's got their building done. And the Oilers are, you know, it's a different market now. And it, I just I just think we're in a completely it, – it, 
I think there's old prejudices that are times hard, like perspectives. Like there was a time everybody thought the ice at Rexall place was terrific in 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. It was not the same ice than it was in the eighties and the nineties. Right. It's just, that's all oh, Edmonton's got great ice. And conversely, all oh, Edmonton's a, you know, oh, it's not an attractive. Well, now for the players that come here, it's got the best, voted the best visitor dressing room in the league. The, the building, the building experience is, is right up there. It's top three or four. The Oilers have got a real good team. They've got Connor and Lee on the sign. They, they keep their best players. They're not having a, it's, we're, we're just in a completely different world than we were 15 years ago. Heck, even, even, even to be honest with you, even 10 or 12 years ago, you could even make an argument. You know, they, they imported my, they imported in Duncan Keith for a year. Mike Smith was around. Chris Russell was around. They're at a different place now because now their leaders are guys that have been grown internally and organically. And they also happen to be some of the best players in the world. And that's so even that's at a different place than it was two or three years ago. Hey, when you hang around a team a lot, and we all know that, you can sense when maybe a guy is getting close to the end. Could you sense that with Duncan Keith over the last few months? Or did he kind of surprise you a little bit with his announcement? I'll be honest. I thought he might do the Chris Chelios when they, when they got him last year. I thought, okay, well, maybe he's going to play two more years. Right. And part of the reason why I thought that, Brent, is because Jerry Johansson took him on as a client. Yep. And Jerry wasn't going to get paid for the pre-existing contract. So I thought, well, he must, there must have been some communication. Uh, maybe Duncan was looking to extend his career. And there were points this year that he was the Oilers' best defenseman. Like Edmonton had a tough go from about January 1st until – I don't know, February, whatever, Jay took over. What was it, February 7th or 8th? Yep. Uh, I thought Duncan played pretty well during that stretch. So to be honest with you, Brent, I was a little surprised that he elected to retire. So given that, uh, how were you so certain? I don't know what you can say, Bob, or what you will say. Uh, I put it out there on Twitter. When I, I, hear, you, when I hear you say something... <laughs> 10 times in a month. I know it's coming. So you kept saying on the show, there's going to be cap space. There's going to be cap space. Were you just looking at uh, the cliff bomb money and certain things? Uh, what, how were you so certain about that? What did you know? No, I, to be honest with you, Brent asked me one question, like when I was doing the games around, you know, and we were, and, we didn't travel to team the last two series. So yeah, we yeah. traveled all year long and then the LA series and then uh, Calgary drove up and back and forth. So it's, uh, now that said, I'm still in the hotel. I still see the guys at the hotel and stuff. I didn't know until four or five days after the season that it was even being contemplated that Duncan wasn't sure hundred percent he was going to come back. Okay. Mm. I won't tell you how I knew it. That no, point. you got your own. Doesn't we all have, have to protect be, ourselves. You, it doesn't necessarily have to be a team source. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I, I knew what the cost would be to divest a player like uh, Cassian. Okay. Yeah. I knew it was going to be at least a second rounder, possibly two seconds. Yeah. So it turned out to be dropping down three spots in the draft in the first, a second and a third. And I knew that Arizona, again, I'm going to circle back to this. They were playing in front of 4,000 fans. They have, I mean, they're sitting there accumulating. Like, 
I, I don't really get the end game. Yeah. Like, you, you know, you're sitting there accumulating second round picks in the 2025 draft that won't play in the NHL if they make it till 2030. Is anybody going to be there from that organization, that regime at the time? Mm. Like, would you not want to? Like, I'm surprised Arizona wouldn't be a team that would actively go after a guy like Paul Yard. They've, they've got the excess uh, capital and picks to do so, but they don't seem to have any interest in taking a swing on a guy like that. I find that interesting. Uh, but anyways, so Keith, I knew that was a possibility. Definitely knew that Cassian was in play. Yeah. But wasn't sure. I think what happened is there was probably markets on some guys eight to 10 days out before the draft until the draft. And then that market shrunk in between the draft and when free agency opened up. And that market might reopen again in three or four days once we know where Cattery ends up and yep. where Nita Ryder ends up. Like there might, like you're, you look at a team like Anaheim, they're, they're under the floor. So that's where it was coming from, Robin, was that I, I just, there were too many factors in play not to think that you couldn't see. And I, I think what I also said is of the 19 guys who played, Game four in the Western Conference Final. My guess is we'd see seven new players here for the start opening day, right? So we've got the goalie, Jack Campbell, instead of Mike Smith. Uh, Skinner, we're not counting him because he didn't play, but so we got two new goalies. Sure. Because Kofi was backing up Smith. Keith has retired on defense. Slide Broberg there, so that's three. Um, Think they'll get to seven? Yeah, but okay. you know, and and so we'll 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 see. They've got three restricted free agents. Yep, McLeod's getting signed for sure because he doesn't have our rights. Uh, and then you know Yamamoto and Pulleyarvi. I'll make an argument. You can only sign one of those guys, so you're going to need to replace that yeah. guy. Plus, they've added Yamark. You see where this? Don't forget Malone played. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would be surprised if he started. With all due respect to Brad, so now you're up to six. And I forget the seventh one without looking at the. Uh, make up. Oh, Cassian's gone. So there's, there there's, there, there's the seventh. So I just felt there was going to be movement. And because um, I don't think Ken Holland's done building this thing. Uh, you want to quickly talk about arbitration? Uh, what do you suspect is going to happen there? Well, again, McLeod doesn't have arb rights. If yep. I was his agent, I would, I would just, uh, I would do a one-year deal yep. because he's going to have Arb in a year from now. And I think he's going to, I think Ryan McLeod's going to play a pretty critical role here. So he's like, he's going to play third line center. He's going to play second unit power planes and he's going to be on the PK. He's going to have a compelling case in a year from now. Um, and then it's Yamamoto and Pugliarvi and they're going to probably come in on two year deals somewhere between 2.8 to 3.3 million. Actually, Paul Yarvis might be, he might have the better case. And that I, I that actual lack of knowledge of what that number is going to, because they just, they basically based it on points per game. Right. But here's the rub if you're an Oilers fan. Remember, they base it on points per game and they don't factor in who the guy plays with. Right. And it's a factor for both players. So, um, they're different players. There's no question. That, I mean, Yamamoto kills penalties and plays second unit power play. Pogliarvi sometimes on the first unit, sometimes on the second unit, never kills penalties. And he had a tough final 50 games. I mean, he only scored six goals, and Yamamoto got to 20 goals. Yep. So I think something's going to give with one of those two guys. It's just 
logic, you know, logic dictates to me that there might be a move there. Last one for me, Bob, and it kind of ties into what you're talking about. Um, I look at a guy like Brad Hall and think this guy's going to be a mover and a shaker uh, going down the road. Uh, he's more certainly more aware uh, of analytics and, than some people who've been in the organization in recent years. Pugliarvi gets the big push from the analytics crowd. How do we balance the don't give me numbers that don't mean anything, I'm tired of it, tell me what he produces, and the, well, I think we have to look at these to get a real picture of the player. There's a balance there that you got to have, and it seems to me the Oilers are moving more into the analytics end of things. Is that just a bad read from outside, or do you see it as well? I would say Edmonton has gone in sort of little spurts in this area before, right? Yep. So, and and as, you know, as your listeners are probably aware, the market itself has been always hot on this topic. They've always been aware that, you know, we've got some of the most prolific writers out there, analytics-driven writers out there that have followed this team over the years. I mean, Tyler Dello was very confrontational at times, ultimately got hired in large part because of Dallas Akins. And uh, it is now a VP of analytics for, you know, the New Jersey Devils. Uh, I, I do think Brad has a lot of time for it. I think he, don't forget, he worked in the video with the NHL for seven years too. And that's the other factor. There are programs now, Robin, where you can watch every shift the player had in the last three years in video. Hmm. So how do you combat that versus flying into, you know, Las Vegas to go watch a guy play and the cost for a company. Is there a more cost efficient way of doing things carrying forward here? Do you like, I, I would, I think you're going to see situations around the league where pro scouting departments might be limited to two actual pro scouts, one East, one West yeah. with both guys, with both guys needing to know the American leagues. Cause that's a little bit tougher to gather the information from. So I do, you know, I, 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 Brad's pretty unique. I would say he was, in my opinion, in the 15 years, this is, come out, I'm coming up to year 15, pretty progressive uh, for a hockey ops guy. Um, and definitely, you know, I mean, this is a guy that went to law, finished his law degree while he was working full-time for the NHL. Like he's, he's not a limited guy. So and with that, you know, a guy with a legal background probably likes a pretty good discussion once in a while as well. So it's, yeah. I think it's, you know, I, it, this is not bow with the feet of my father. This is a guy who's very much his own man. And I'm going to tell you guys this right now. He was going to get hired by another organization to be their assistant GM. That's yeah. just, that's the truth. That's what was going on. Yeah. Uh, and, and combining him with a guy like Keith Gretzky, who is shown to be a good talent evalu evaluator, he drafted Yamamoto 22nd. Don't forget, he got Pasternak 26th. Um, and he also got uh, Bouchard 10th and McLeod 40th. Uh, so he, he's got a good feel for the amateur side. Now he's running the farm team. He's got a sense of team. I, I think those guys complement each other quite well long term. So I'm going to be intrigued to see where it goes with them. Hey, before we uh, let you go here, uh, it was a fascinating season on the ice, off the ice, because of all the COVID stuff that went on. How did it go for you? Because I know that there's all the COVID protocols and it seemed like you were off for a couple of weeks because you were struggling with things. Mooner was. I, I can't recall if Jack was off at all, but 
just the the whole uh, the whole traveling thing with COVID was. Uh, I don't know how you guys did it. Brent Cam and me got it last. Like every like every player in the team got yeah. it at one point. Most of the guys got January, uh, December, and January. Right. Uh, Jack and a couple of media guys got it when we were in Toronto. Uh, so lucky for them because they got to fly home after five or six days. Uh, Cam and me both got stuck down in the states, which meant we were down there for twelve days. Right. So um, you know, lots of testing. Uh, I've probably had between the letters and chorus. I don't know, 60 tests Wow! over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, so lots of testing. Only got it once. I was sick for a day. That was it. Now, I, I get, and you both know this, I mean, when you try, I, I get uh, head colds when we go to, uh, uh, like, Florida. I always get a head cold in Florida. It's right. going to happen. AC. It's complete. We, you know, you fly there in late February, early March. That's when we went there. It's a complete contrast weather-wise to cold and dry Edmonton, right? Like yeah. it's, you know, the, the humidity gets me every time when we go down there. Um, so, you know, I, I think people did the best they could with it. The the, the masking situation on planes was, uh, a, you know, a little frustrating and exasperating. I, I mean, we, we could get into a whole other conversation on, you know, I, I am concerned about the mental health side of things that's, that's come for this. Yeah. And anybody, anybody that doesn't believe that certain political entities wouldn't try to use a scenario like this to further advance their cause does not understand politics. Right. That's kind of how it works. Right. So, um, I, you know, I mean, I got, I was triple vaxxed before the start of the season. So, you know, I, to me, it was just simply a requirement in order to be, to, to be there to broadcast and do as many shows as I possibly could. That's my job is to be available as much and, and frankly, to be as balanced, which is hard sometimes when you have McDavid and he's not getting any penalty calls, yeah. you know, but, but to be as balanced as possible. Um, and, and so, you know, people live with it. There's a lot, you know what, there's, there's kids that are sick. There's parents that are sick. You never know what anybody's going through. So, yeah, it was a little bit of an inconvenience. I'm sensing we're heading back to some uh, form of uh, normalcy out there in society. I hope it continues. I know we got, I mean, Brent, you've gone through a, a brutal physical challenge of the last several years. You don't even look like the same guy anymore, and you're still with us, so that's awesome. And that stuff like that and what John Sexsmith have gone through, yeah. It, it just pales in comparison for this, but I will tell you there were moments. It, it, it was quite, it was quite bizarre. We go to Montreal. There's nobody in the city's in lockdown, right? You go to Toronto and McDavid got COVID in Toronto with Barry and Derek Ryan. And the team was really taken on water at that. And they played pretty well in Toronto and lost four two. And I remember that Jack couldn't do the game and Cam and Rob Brown had to do it back. And, and I'm, I'm the only healthy guy left of the, like, it was, you know, there was some moment, and then you think, you know, you think of that in Toronto and Montreal with no fans, and then turn around, and less than a month later, you know, you're playing in front of sold-out buildings all over the United States, and they've moved on from it. And then eventually we moved on, kind of moved on from it too. So it had a wide range of emotion during the course of the season, and I just, it's awesome to see the fans in the building. Incredible. Where are you going to yeah. holiday? Well, what's up? Are you going to take any break at all? Because I know you're you're a workaholic, Bob. 
You are a workaholic. I know that. So what are you going to do? I'm going to take two weeks off total. Uh, we're going to uh, be slacker. Two weeks. Was, yeah. Harsh. How about how about a hundred out of a hundred and one weeks yeah. of letters now? Yeah. Between um, the start of the 1920 season until the conclusion of the 2021 season. I took oh, wow. one week off. I took one week off out of 101 weeks. So basically two years and I took one week and, and now what's happened is, you know, like every, all organizations are having stuff like, like what you guys are doing now, Brendan, this is going to be the way of the future. Like this is, yeah. I mean, we could have a whole other conversation on what's the long term for radio, you know, right? Or, or TV. And I think, you know, monitor that in the future too, for the Edmonton orders, because the others are property and it's a property that people care about. And so, uh, but no, it'll be fun. I'll, I'll, you know, I, I'm basically given this week to see if maybe there's one or two more moves and then shutting her down for a couple of weeks. Kind, kind uh, of shutting her down. You yeah. know, one last thing. I, I love it, Bob. You're, you're 15 years deep now and you were in the business a lot longer than that. Um, it's Bob Stoffer from the water slide at Disney World reporting. You just never lost that desire. In fact, you go as hard now as you did when you were working your way up to air quote things. Um, I tell you what, I wish I had that drive because you're, it seems like your first day on the job every time uh, the I turn to 630 Chad. It's amazing to me. Well, you got to have energy and you got to love doing what you're doing. Uh, you know, Brent helped me, Robin. I mean, he did. You you helped me a bit on the writing the columns for the Edmonton Sun at the time. Did a little ghost uh, editing for me. Yeah, lots of people helped along the way. I mean, I, but saying that, you know, I'd say work as long as you can. I think of, uh, we got a guy in that building, like Brian Hall's still there. He's got to be 88 or 89 years of age. Um, I, I, I don't know how long, uh, you know, I wonder, let, let's put it this way. I, I, I think pretty comfortably I could host a show into my sevens. Like, I don't think that I always wanted to do it. Bryn, you knew that when we oh, yeah. way back, like, and, and what's happened here is the show, the medium has shifted a bit, right? Like it used to be, everybody wanted to be the play-by-play -play guy. Right. But now, you know, part of it's the discussion around the game and, and that sort of stuff. And, and so, I, I've kind of, and I, let's put it this way, Robin. I knew I was going to be successful with total sports. Yeah, I did. I never questioned for a second and it wasn't arrogance or overconfidence. It was just a belief. And then, you know, you build, you got to be able to sell a bit. And I never went for the kill in a sales call on the first couple of times. And I never overpromised. I never said, well, I'm going to guarantee you that we have 60,000 listeners a day and this is what we're going to do for your business. And I'd say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to suggest you that you're probably going to hear people say, Hey, I hear you advertising on that show. And I'm, I don't know if anybody's ever going to spend a cent on your company, but your name and brand awareness is going to go, get out there. And we are not to paraphrase, you know, Arthur Miller, death of a salesman, but we are all salesmen in one form or another. We're all, right. That's kind oh, of yeah. how, that's kind of how it works is you gotta, you gotta sell yourself a little bit. So um, I'm going to keep grinding, Robin. I'm never going to stop grinding. I'm never going to stop working. Um, and, but I also work for a club and make no mistake. I want to see that club win. 
Like I, there, there's media guys that cheer for stories, even if it puts them in positions where maybe sometimes they're unnecessarily combative. Uh, I'm honest. If a player asks me, I'll tell him if he really wants my opinion, I'll tell him the truth. But at the end of the day, I want an organization and I work for them. I want to see them be successful and win. And I want to see the city win. And I'll take it one step further. I want to see Edmonton win. Okay. I want to see the Elks be successful. I want to see the Oil Kings be successful. You know, I love the Golden Bears. I want to see them be successful. Um, I don't love how narrow-minded the university has become in scope and how it no longer sort of is truly interested in having um, a traditional liberal arts discussion on topics because it's not. But that said, I want their teams to win. I want those student-athletes to be successful. I want Edmonton to win. That's what I'm cheering for. Great memories, right from the Claire Drake Arena to Commonwealth Stadium, back to Clark Stadium, to the Coliseum, and to uh, to a beautiful facility we have now. There's no doubt about Rogers' place. Bob, thanks. Great stuff. Uh, Coffee and Bailey's on the way at some point on some patio this summer. And uh, okay. we'll, this is a long overdue conversation for us. Thanks for your time. Anytime, guys. Take care. Well, this is our final episode of the season, and uh, we got to say a few things about Brent McIntosh and everybody at the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City. A big thumbs up and a big thank you for your support over the last few years. It's been great. You want to talk about great teammates. Brent's been one of those, and I've also seen how his team works firsthand because a very good friend of mine uh, bought a new home and sold his old home over the past year. And just watching Brent's team, the way they kind of work together in unison to get that deal done at a quiet time of the year. Like November is not an easy, easy month to sell a home nor to help somebody find that right home. But they did it. It was a Hall of Fame experience to say the least. It was fantastic. So once again, a big thank you to Brent and everybody there. If, if you are looking for that same Hall of Fame experience, too, when selling your home or looking to buy one, then give Brent or any of his team members a, uh, a call. The number is simple. It is 780-464-0075. You can also find them online at macintoshgroup.ca. Both buyers and sellers can contact them. They would love to hear from them. And one last thing, make sure you tell them the outsider sent you. <laughs> summary little summary uh okay and we're taking a break over the summer and looking forward to coming back in october feedback very important for us if you'd like to uh, get a hold of us real simple the email address is the outsiders at shaw.ca that's the outsiders at shaw.ca you can also check us out on twitter you can drop us a note there as well our handle's really simple it's at outsiders 2020 and uh, like I said, just a bit of a break for the next two months. You know, I got to be honest with you. Over, it's hard to believe. Like we're wrapping up. This is actually season four by the, by the looks of it. And we've done 116 episodes. The uh, the audience just keeps growing, and that's fantastic. And uh, you know, it's funny. You don't get a lot of feedback on the emails or on Twitter, but I run into a lot of people who say, "Man, I listen to your podcast all the time." And I always say, "Not my podcast. It's our podcast." Because Robin. This has been so much fun through the years, and I can't thank you enough. 
Oh, you don't need to thank me, man. We're just getting started, I hope. Absolutely. it's uh, It's been fun. The one thing that's been very noticeable to us is that when we talk about hockey, our numbers surge. We talk about other sports. We still have strong numbers, but it's not quite as much as it uh, is during the hockey season. So ending this season, chatting with Bob today uh, was uh, was a lot of fun. And the one thing's for sure, if Bob wanted to keep talking for another hour, we would have let him do such. Yep. And I want to say something, Bryn, too, with this break coming up, because you most often uh, take care of this when it comes to on the podcast and just in conversations. Um, we really enjoy doing this. I know I, I can only speak for me. I want to keep doing it, but what we, we like is not only the feedback, Hey, when you do this, uh, I'm not so into it. When you do that, man, I could listen to it all day long. That's the kind of feedback we want. The other thing we want too is, you know, if you want to come on board and help us do what we do in terms of being a sponsor, um, that's not difficult to do either. We are uh, so grateful uh, to the sponsor we have now who's carried us through a couple of years now with, with uh, Brent, isn't it? Yeah. Brent McIntosh at the McIntosh group at Remax river city. Yeah. And you know, I mean, that's wonderful. There's room for more. And uh, we won't turn, we won't turn anybody away. Uh, we enjoy doing it. I hope we keep doing it. Um, but we'd love to hear from you too. Let's have feedback. Let's have sponsorship. Let's have uh, wherever you want to take it, but uh, let's not just sit back and let, let's get going with it. Hey, before we disappear too, I just wanted to tip the cap to Brian Marchment. I don't think we talked about mush on our last podcast. We lost Brian uh, in Montreal the week of the draft and he'd been working with the San Jose Sharks. I've known mush since I started working with the Winnipeg Jets back in 1990. And yeah. he was a tough bastard boy. He was harsh. But you know what? I started to recognize that he, he was basically testing you. And when and it's funny, I always remember chatting with, it was Randy Carlisle on a bus. And I thought the guys were being really hard on me. And I said, and Randy noticed I was a little down. I said, so what's up? I said, well, I'm a little, I'm, uh, it's hard taking criticism constantly day in and day out from guys. And, and Mush was one of those guys who was pretty constant. And Randy started to laugh. And he said to me, he says, you know why they're riding you? Because they like you. If they don't talk to you, they hate you. So yeah. he says, just let it go in one ear, out the other, absorb about 15 to 20% of it, and just keep doing the great job that you're doing. But Mush, I got to know in Winnipeg. And then the next thing you know, when I'm working for the Oilers, he's right back there with the Oilers as a player. And same thing, had that real sarcasm. He was never afraid to speak his mind. But I always felt that if I was ever in trouble, he'd be the first guy over the boards to help me. He'd be one of those guys that would always be right there. He always had your back, but he always tested you a little bit. And I was so saddened to hear that he passed away. And uh, I just uh, I just wanted to say that because, like I said, uh, you and I, we get a chance to meet great, great people, not only in the hockey game, but in sports. And one of the things that I've always loved is somebody – I'll. I'll I can't remember who the LA Kings were playing the one year. It might have been the it was the Rangers. And somebody said, So who would you be cheering for? Well, one, when you're a broadcaster or you're a writer, you don't really cheer for teams, but you cheer for great guys. 
That's how I always yeah. felt because we meet a lot of great people in the mm-hmm. world of sports. So I, I kind of was cheering for the LA Kings because Jared Stahl always treated me really well. Uh, Matt Green was fantastic. So I was happy for those guys. I didn't really <laughs> cheer for the jerseys. I always cheered for the guys in the jerseys. So we, we have these opportunities once in a while to meet fantastic people. Sadly, we lose people like Brian Marchment. But, man, the stories, uh, uh, as I sat back and tried to absorb it a little bit, all I could think of was I could think of a couple of bad ones where I went, oh, I remember he was roasting me for that. And then all of a sudden I started laughing because you have great times with great people, and we always got to remember them for that. So, Mush, I miss you, man. Well, anyway, I, I, I'm with you, Bryn. I remember, I remember Mush before anybody knew who the heck this artist was in the Euler dressing room, tapping his toes to any man of mine by Shania Twain. And it's like, who is this new artist? Uh, he loved it. I remember him straight faced in you all the time. In other words, oh. he was a little bit old school and you would think he was serious, at least for a while. And then you'd realize he was having you on. And, uh, and, and also he was one of the uh, guys who would commonly uh, maybe give you a little hack across the calf oh. as you as you were standing outside the dressing room. And, um, you know, the other thing was this. Yeah. Mush, that's another knee you've claimed. What the hell, man? And it's like, it's hockey, it's not volleyball. And, you know, yeah. uh, we're a kinder, gentler society now than uh, the, the one that Brian Marchment came up in as a hockey player. And if it came to hitting or it came to having to fight because of some of those hits. He did. Uh, he laid uh, one of the memorable with George Larac in Edmonton after he went a little bit low on Doug Waite down in San Jose. Um, so be it. It was no big deal. It was, well, hey, I got to stand up. The gloves just came off. You threw your punches, and it was whatever. Okay, I did what I had to do. He did what he had to do. Uh, let's play. And it was that simplicity and that simple lens that Mush saw the game through that was uh, uh, so refreshing. And before Listen. we wrap up, I've, I've been listening a lot to uh, Sports at 960, the fan in Calgary, over the past 10 days. This yeah. Johnny Goudreau thing has really really kicked the shit out of the city. It's and, and you know and Bob brought it up actually earlier about the fact Edmonton's gone through a chair with the selling of Wayne selling slash trade of Wayne Gretzky, the Chris Pronger thing. There's been a lot of uh, a lot of things that have taken this city down a few notches. This one with Johnny Goudreau has really been perplexing and just you could sense from what you're hearing on on Sports Talk Radio in Calgary here over the last week or so as much as they were using Stampede to buoy themselves a little bit. This one this one really hurts because they let another great guy just walk away and get nothing for him. And it's not like he ran away and went home to New Jersey, Philadelphia, or the New York Islanders. He went to Columbus, which I, when I saw the news come in, I'm sitting on the patio, I went, what? This can't be right. And I had to check a few people, check in with a few people that I knew, and they went, no, it's Columbus. Uh, how, how's your take on that? It's just, it's very, uh, very perplexing to me. And like I said, Calgary has gone through a fair bit. Having to deal, having to deal with this. Dry sidle to McDavid. McDavid shoots. Score! It's over! The Oilers move on! 
fucking somehow, weren't you? You just yeah. <laughs> no, but it's just you know what? It's and we've we've seen it here in those battles of Alberta a long, long time ago, where if you lost to that team, you had to go through <laughs> that summer with that agony, and they're going to go through that anyway this year, losing out on that goal, and then they have this hat. I mean, I'm not saying that you got to feel sorry for folks in Calgary, but. They got a real, they got a, I don't know who they're going to go out and sign, but man, oh man, that's a, they took a shit kicking here in the last 10 days. You know what? And I maybe see it a bit different or maybe, maybe not so different. Uh, Johnny Goudreau doesn't know the Calgary Flames. No. F-A. Yeah, absolutely. Let's he, make that clear. He earned the right to go where he wants to go for whatever the reasons may be. And, you know, guy down, I mean, uh, Eric Francis down there is of the mind and, and Eric's been at the game a long time as a writer and now as a broadcaster. Well, he, you know, Johnny Goudreau owes the flames or the end of the city of Calgary. I don't know how he phrased it more than this. No, he doesn't. Um, the team doesn't owe the player an explanation. When they stroke your checks for however many years, they've taken care of their end of the deal. When the player goes out and plays and puts puts up the kind of seasons Johnny Goudreau has, he's taken care of his end of the deal. When under the CBA, you have a right to look around, you don't need to give any reasons. You yeah. don't need to justify why you're doing it. Do you look at it from the outside? Yeah, I'm a bit like you. I'm going, hmm, oh, okay, I guess. It's a, it's his call, but um, that's the game, man. That's part of the deal. You can be traded. You can be cut. Hey, you think every player wants to end up where he ends up via trade? He can't say, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, I, I guess he can, but then the paychecks stop altogether. So, um, yeah, it's a surprise. Will it be a crap summer down in Calgary because of it? Between that and the losing to the Oilers, yeah, I imagine it will be, but we've had a few of those there. Say uh, la vie, that's the game. Exactly. It's been a, it's been an interesting season right from the start, right to the middle. Spec, can I talk to you for a It's been, uh, it's been fun. Uh, Robin, thanks for your time. Enjoy your summer, will you? And we will return in October. That's the plan. Once again, your feedback, any kind of support you've got, also very, very helpful. So thanks, everybody. Uh, Robin, uh, make sure that you vacuum the rug. I noticed it was getting a little, uh, the debris on the rug at the Lucky Sam studio in Southwest Edmonton. It was, uh, that's what the word is. The word is it needs a bit of a, a bit of a cleanup. I know that I was uh, cleaning this place up here too. I'm at the Road 55 studio in downtown Edmonton. It's always fun to be downtown. And it's uh, nice to be so close to the arena too. So, Robin, thanks. We'll talk to you later, all right? We sure will. All right. Sunscreen. Make sure you put on that sunscreen. Storm in the castle. Road 55.